Today on our sixth lesson, there's 13 of them, and uh, you'll remember we talked about daring to be a leader and daring to uh, face your giants and all the rest of that. Today we're going to be talking about daring to be a real friend, and these are more challenges than anything. Every one of these lessons is just pulling some some uh, lessons from David's life and applying them to ourselves. Some of them we may have down, some of them we may need to reinforce, um, build up a little bit better, and, and take some of these lessons that we'll learn in these uh, in this series and apply them to our daily lives. But First Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 4 says, And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would, not, and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. <clears throat> Let's pray and then we'll get into the lesson. Father, I thank you for this day you've given us. God, I thank you for this opportunity we have to meet in your house, to open your word uh, freely and without... Uh, fear of of um, police or authorities or anything else shutting us down as other countries have to worry about and, and missionaries and other pastors. God, I just pray that you would uh, bless this time we have together today. God, thank you for bringing us here safely, safely through another week of, of work and, and travel. And uh, God, I just pray that you'd help us as we talk about friendship, that you'd help us as Christians to be real friends, not just to our own uh, church members or to our own group of friends, but but even those in the world that are looking for you, we'd be real friends to them, and uh, God, that we would learn that in this lesson today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Um, <clears throat> sometimes being a real friend takes a lot of work. Uh, being a friend is not just somebody that you kind of have a, uh, you know, a, a, you think the same way about certain things or you know, politically, you're on the same wavelength or, uh, you know, the same hobbies or you like to golf and he likes to golf. Oh, we're friends. Uh, that's not necessarily friendship. That's more of acquaintance. Um, it can turn into friendship, but friendship often takes hard work. If you spend any amount of time, um, maybe um, spouses or even parents with children is, is probably the best example there is. You spend a lot of time with those people. And Sometimes uh, you, you're going to have arguments. That doesn't mean your friendship is broken, but, but sometimes we don't see eye to eye, and it takes work to um, make that friendship work. I heard, I heard a uh, clip from, from actually from Donald Trump from, I guess, probably 20 years ago, and he was talking about, well, however long him and Melania have been married, whatever that is, because it was right after their marriage, and they, they did an interview, and he said, you know, uh, do you guys get along well? And he's, and Donald Trump said, um, I hear all the time. In fact, my dad used to say, you know, to make a marriage work, it takes, it takes a lot of work. And he said, I don't, I don't think that's true. I do think it's true. I think in friendships, even in marriage and all the rest of that, you have to work at it, uh, because sometimes you don't feel like being friendly. We tell Emma this all the time. She's not in here, but, um, she'll come home and say, you know, she was fighting with whoever, and, and we tell her all the time, the Bible verse, if you want to have people be friends with you, you have to be friendly back. Actually, you have to be friendly first for them to be friendly back. The Bible says, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. 
Uh, but it takes work because sometimes we don't feel like being friendly. Sometimes uh, we work late or we get up early or whatever it is and we're tired and we're, we're grumpy and we don't feel like being friendly. But it, it does. It takes a lot of work. Now, there is, there is a lot of, uh, there's been studies done and it says that um, in this world today, you can consider yourself fortunate if you have, through the course of your lifetime, five real friends. Um, I like to think that Christians bump that average up. I think we do. I think we, especially in larger churches, the church we grew up in, I had dozens and dozens of real, true friends that I really considered and still do consider uh, myself friends with them. But five in a lifetime, you're fortunate if you come across or have five true friends at any given time. It could be five at the same time. It could be one. Uh, then they move away and you have another true friend. But David and Jonathan's friendship here, uh, and, and uh, Brother Thren talked about this in his Sunday school lesson. He, he went over the, he talked about David and Jonathan and how Jonathan could not leave what he called the flesh, the world. He couldn't leave his father, even though he was torn between Saul and David. And they were so uh, opposed to each other, I guess. David, not, not so much, but Saul hated David. And Jonathan was still his son. He couldn't leave his father. And, and he closed that Sunday school lesson by saying at the very end, when, when uh, Jonathan had a choice to make, to go with Saul into battle or to stay with David, he chose to go with Saul. His final act, uh, he died in the bat, same battle that Saul died in. They died together uh, because he couldn't leave, uh, he, he couldn't choose one side or the other. But Jonathan, on a positive note, was a very good friend to David. And we just read those four verses in, in uh, chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. And... When David finds out at the end of, of when, when David finds out in that battle that Jonathan dies, David's heart is, is torn. I mean, as, as big a heartbreak as you can possibly have, um, David had that. And he, he goes on a little bit and talks about Jonathan, and he talks about Jonathan and Saul. He said they had the heart of, of lions, and, and they were courageous. But all through David's life, Jonathan was there for him in verse two uh, or verse three. And Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. <clears throat> they were basically in a competition to see who could care the most for the other. That's that's what makes a friendship work, whether it's just a, a you know, a, a friend at church, a friend that you work with, a brother. The Bible talks about a brother is born for adversity. Um, you there can be any relationship can be a friendship. Um, there can be deeper, as is in the case of a spouse, is actually love. But a friendship has a lot to do with that. Bible says there in verse three, David or Jonathan and David loved each other as as their own soul. They loved each other. Um, we have a lot of acquaintances. Uh, we we lose the meaning of friendship uh, because of social media. Uh, I have so many hundreds of friends on Facebook. Half the time you don't, you've never even met them, don't know anything about them, but they've friended you and you've friended them. That's not friendship, obviously. We know that. Real friendship is, as we'll talk about in this lesson, is you have some skin in the game. We'll, as we go through this many times, 
Even to the point where Saul throws a javelin at Jonathan, too. We, we know the story where he throws it at David and tries to kill him. But there's a point in there where Jonathan comes to Saul and he's really pleading for David's life. He says, you've got to stop chasing him. He hasn't done anything wrong to you. I don't know what the problem is, but you've got to stop chasing him. And, and Saul throws a javelin at Jonathan, tries to kill him uh, for trying to plead on David's behalf. But Jonathan loved him. And we'll start right out <clears throat> in the beginning here that Jonathan didn't only love David because he knew David was going to be the next king. Uh, Jonathan loved David before, when, when David was still just a shepherd boy. He, he loved David. He knew him. Um, and then David gets brought into the court, as we saw right there in verse 2. Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Imagine the jealousy that, that could possibly have crept into Jonathan's life. He's supposed to be the next king. He was the oldest son of Saul. He's supposed to be the next in line to be king. And then all of a sudden, because of his, because it was no reason of, no fault of Jonathan's, because of Saul's um, disobedience to God, their line is cut off from, from the throne. And David is uh, anointed king. And Jonathan doesn't uh, hate him for it. He doesn't despise him for it. He doesn't try to, to break anything up. He, when David goes to the, to the palace at this point, Saul let him go no more home to his father's house. They would have been eating at the same dinner table. They would have been basically brothers, and that's probably where their friendship really developed. But David is taking Jonathan's rightful place as, as on the throne, and Jonathan's true friendship um, shows through um, with no, no malice toward David. In fact, he doesn't only just step back and say, you know what, you're on your own. He actually helps him try to survive the rest of Saul's uh, um, reign. So there's a couple of quotes I want, I want to read. Walter Winchell said, a real friend is one who walks out, walks in when the rest of the world walks out. And that's, that's kind of the question today. Are you a real friend and who are you befriending? Um, are you befriending, you know, sometimes at work you, you have these acquaintances that you enjoy being around them, but not real friends. Um, and, and sometimes we need to leave those acquaintances right, you know, at work when we leave, that's it. That's the end of it. Um, and when we start back up on Monday, nothing wrong with being friendly to our coworkers. In fact, that's good. That's a way for us to lead them to Christ. And we, and we do that, but real friends um, should be Christian men and women. And, and the reason I say that, the Bible talks about iron, sharpening iron, and there's pl plenty of verses where our closest friends should be those that are, are on the same path, trying to live for God and please God. Uh, Lawrence Peter said this, you can always tell a real friend, when you've made a fool of yourself, he doesn't feel like you've done a permanent job. Um, you know, a real friend is there, and as we go through this lesson, we'll, we'll see a little bit of that. A real friend is there to uh, encourage and to help you along, especially when you're in your, your toughest moments, your toughest times. Um, when, when we're flying high and on top of the mountain, we don't really need friends. We, we got it. We're good. We can go on. But when we're in those valleys, so to speak, that's when we need a friend to come along, a real friend. Uh, not just an acquaintance, not just a uh, uh, somebody we know of that's an encourager, but a real friend 
to come along beside us. So first thing we're going to talk about is Jonathan's generosity, and we see that right there in verse 4. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. I think about this often sometimes, um, you know, you'll have a pastor that, that is, you know, preaching and they'll bring an object lesson or, or an object up and say, you know, this was given to me 20 years ago by, you know, a famous pastor or a president or, you know, whatever. <clears throat> Those are meaningful things. And in David and Jonathan's case, I don't know what exactly was the deal here with David, why he didn't have a sword uh, or, or armor or a robe. or He didn't have any of these things, obviously, because Jonathan gives them to him. This was not just a gesture. David needed them. Um, and so, But Jonathan doesn't go to the palace and say, hey, I need a sword, I need a robe, I need some armor. He gives David his own... Uh, his own things and you know that's not to say that we can't give somebody we don't really know some something that we own or whatever but it shows the friendship that David and, and Jonathan had here he gives him his own stuff I mean at this point David and Jonathan are both warriors uh, they're not little boys uh, it's not like he you know carved a, a bow and a, and a couple arrows and says you know I want I want you to have these forever uh, these these men are warriors. This is the sword that Jonathan uses in battle. I mean, it's it's like his it's a part of him. This is the robe that basically gives Jonathan his status when he comes into the palace. And it talks about his girdle too, uh, right at the end of verse four. And to his girdle, this girdle would have been kind of like you know the, the 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 Scottish and the Irish use kilts, kind of you know as a statement of what family they belong to. The girdle was would have been something like that, where it puts you, it, it tells everybody your status, you know, whatever color or maybe the 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 uh, embroidery on it or whatever. And he gives that to David. Uh, <clears throat> I actually thought about this last night when I was looking over this lesson again. I thought, you know, maybe maybe Jonathan was doing that so David could be disguised almost as Jonathan, so that it would protect him. I don't know exactly why, but he gives David his own things. He was, he was, uh, but he did, didn't just give him things. David, Jonathan gave David a lot more than stuff. And that's kind of where, where this lesson is really uh, the importance of this lesson. You don't have to have a lot of stuff to be a generous person. Um, and, and giving does not always mean money. Uh, we can give our time, we can give encouragement, we can give service where, where we're giving our energy and our effort. Um, Dave, uh, Jonathan happens to have stuff to give to David, but we'll see a little bit later that he gives him a lot more than just his sword and his robe and his girdle. Uh, he could have given him that and, and that been the end of it, whether it was to try to protect him, to disguise him a little bit, or to give it to him because he didn't have a sword. He could have said, all right, I'm going to give you this stuff, and you've got to run from the palace and hide and don't come back. You know, He doesn't do that. We see over and over Jonathan goes out into the forest and finds David and says, hey, my dad is looking for you. You've got to go. You've got to hide. They know where you're at. They're coming. Uh, he warns David over and over. And uh, <clears throat> David, David loved Saul. That's, that's the interesting thing. David actually 
admired Saul and wanted to do good to Saul. He goes and plays his harp for him. David wasn't playing because he was forced to play the harp. Um, <clears throat> he liked that this gift he had been given of being able to play music is what calmed Dave, uh, Saul's spirit. And so he's doing everything he can to help Saul and getting nothing but hate in return. And Jonathan sees that. And, and the point I'm trying to make is Jonathan could have been like, that's between you guys. I'm not getting in the middle of that. Obviously, we see Saul throw a javelin at, at his own son, Jonathan, because he's in the middle of it. Even at that point, Jonathan could have said, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not getting killed over this. But he doesn't. To the end of his life, the Bible talks about it, to the, to the end of his life, these two are friends, and he tries every, does everything he can to help David. Um, <clears throat> and the other thing is, when Jonathan is helping David, there is, I kind of mentioned this before, there's, it's not self-serving to Jonathan at all. Jonathan's got everything he needs. Sure, he's not going to be the king later, but he's got everything he needs. He's not trying to get a uh, spot in David's, uh, you know, in his cabinet. He's not trying to, to earn himself a spot so when David comes becomes king, he doesn't kill me. Um, it's not self-serving at all. It's, this is true friendship at, at its finest. Um, but then think about this. Jonathan had nothing to gain from David. David had nothing to give. Remember, David had 400 men, and he goes, we talked about this uh, being a leader, but or, or listening to wise counsel, dare to listen to wise counsel, but he goes to Nabal, and Nabal... He, he's looking for food. He doesn't have anything. No money, no food. He's begging Nabal to give him supplies. So Jonathan is not uh, helping David because he's getting things in return. And I think sometimes we, we do that. Um, you'll see it with, uh, you know, within family members. Somebody starts to get older. They start to get a little bit sick. And all of a sudden, oh, everybody's so kind to them, you know, trying to get something when they die. Uh, or the fighting that goes on after uh, a death Jonathan's not. That's not what he's after. David has nothing to give. And, and so think about how much more, uh, because there's perfect application here with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ comes to this earth expecting nothing. We have nothing to give him. And he gives not only what he doesn't give what he has. He gives his life uh, for us. Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. We know these verses, but this is Jesus Christ's friendship, his gift to sinners. The Bible talks about Jesus being a friend of sinners. He's the perfect picture of friendship. Obviously, he's God, but this is the picture of friendship. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. If we're going to use Jesus Christ's um, example of friendship, how often are you bearing somebody else's griefs and carrying somebody else's sorrows? How often are we doing that? Or when somebody's going through a tough time, do we just let them get through it? They'll be all right. They need friends. We need friends to come along beside us and let us know. Uh, it's not just an encouraging word. Ah, it's going to be all right. Because sometimes it's not all right. Sometimes somebody, you know, you're dying of cancer and you just, you need that comfort. But Jesus Christ bore our griefs, carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He has nothing to get from our friendship. Uh, he has everything to give, and he does did that uh, 
willingly, knowing he would get nothing in return, knowing those he was redeeming, what do we have to offer even after we, be, even after we are saved and become his children? We have so much less to offer than he gave to us. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto, the, unto death, even the death of the cross for us. Uh, perfect picture of friendship. But that's what we see in, in Jonathan here. He's giving to David, giving and getting not a whole lot in return other than this covenant he gets with David. And we'll see later that David honors this covenant even after Jonathan's dead. Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son, is crippled. And and as as crazy as it sounds, once David is king, I don't know how well they took care of the old uh, monarch's family, but doesn't sound like very well. Mephibosheth doesn't know where he's getting his next meal, the Bible tells us. Uh, he's looking for food. So probably in rags, maybe even begging, maybe being put out beside the road to beg for his meals. And David finds out about this and goes and brings him into the palace and honors this commitment. David could have, as, as the king, killed the entire family of Saul and been done with all of them. And, and even maybe, you know, done it in vengeance for the way Saul treated him. Um, and I don't think that, uh, in fact, it's pretty obvious that Jonathan is not treating David this way so that after David takes over, he doesn't kill the whole family. That's not why Jonathan was doing it. He truly loved uh, David. Verse, verse 2 we see there, or verse, uh, verse 1 in chapter 18, their souls were knit together. They loved each other with the, with the truest, uh, the purest love. Um, and then we see in 1 Samuel chapter 19, if you go there, that Jonathan didn't just give David his stuff, he gave him his time. And that's what I, I mentioned before. Generosity is not just, oh, you know, I got, a, I got extra money here, you can have it. Uh, have a good time, hopefully that helps you. And, and that's the end of it. Gives his time uh, to David. Verse 1 of chapter 19, Saul spake to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David, and, David, and Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father, seeketh to kill thee. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take heed to thyself until the morning, and abide in a secret place, and hide thyself. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where thou art, and I will commune with my father of thee, and what I see, that I will tell, you, tell thee. Uh, what Jonathan does here is he says, I'm going to stay right next to my father's side, so basically I know the game plan, so I can tell you what it's going to be, so that you can escape. Um, the, the game that, and it's not a game to him, but this game that Jonathan is playing, is, it's a risky one. Um, if Saul had found out what Jonathan was doing, he probably would have killed him, even though his own son, his own son, we see that all the way through history. These, these monarchs had, like, had zero uh, care for anybody's life except their, their own. They would kill their own uh, wives, children, you know, whoever they thought might be trying to take take over the throne. And uh, certainly Saul would not have thought that Jonathan's intentions were just to help David stay alive. He would have thought he's trying to take over the throne or whatever. So it's very risky, but Jonathan gives up his time. 
I mean, there's so much more he could be doing besides, you know, going out with Saul everywhere he's chasing David to try to find out how he can protect David. But uh, our time as friends, you cannot cultivate a friendship without spending time together. And it's the same way in a marriage. It's the same way with your children. It's the same way with a regular old uh, Christian friendship. You've got to spend time together. Uh, I had a really good friend growing up. Probably six or eight or ten years, we were, I mean, couldn't hardly separate us. But he moved away, I moved away. We don't talk as much as we used to. And that friendship grows apart. It doesn't mean that I dislike him. Uh, It doesn't mean that, you know, I wouldn't like to be friends with him as, as we were before. But we don't spend the time together that we used to. And so that friendship grows apart. And, And so the opposite is true. If you want a friendship to grow, you've got to spend time together. There was a uh, a mother of an <clears throat> excuse me energetic preschooler, and this is not a story about Emma, uh, but she loved for her mom to read to her every night. And so finally, the mom had a lot to do, you know, all the chores and everything around the house. And so she thought, you know what? I got an idea. I'm going to record some of these stories for her. And then I'll just let her listen to those at night. So that's what she did. She went out and got a recorder, a, a, uh, and a digital recorder, read these books onto this recorder. And the next night when her daughter said, hey, can you read, can you read these books to me? Her mom got that recorder out and she said, I got a, I got a surprise for you. And she started playing, playing it. And the little girl just kind of looked at it, wasn't too excited about it. And she said, don't you like it? And she said, that doesn't have a lap. And that's, you know, that's uh, from the mind of a, a child, but that's how friend, friendships are. You can't buy a friendship. You can't, you know, hey, here's some money, go buy yourself something. Hey, here's this, here's that. It takes time, and there's no replacement for that time. Um, we have to work at our friendships. And then, and then the last thing that, that Jonathan gave to David is his influence. In 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 4, and verses 4 through 7, what happens here is Jonathan goes to Saul and, and on David's behalf is pleading for him, please stop trying to kill him. Uh, and Jonathan spake good of David unto Saul his father and said unto him, let not the king sin against his servant and against David, because he hath not sinned against thee, and because his works have been to thee word very good. For he did put his life in his hand when he slew the Philistine, and the Lord wrought a great salvation for all Israel. Thou sawest it, and didst rejoice. Wherefore then will thou sin against innocent blood to slay David without a call, cause? In verse 6, Saul hearkened unto the voice of Jonathan, and Saul sware as the Lord liveth, he shall not be slain. <laughs> this time he goes back and tries to kill him later. But verse 7, and Jonathan called David, and Jonathan showed him all these things, and Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. Jonathan uses his influence to... Um, save David's life and put him and, and Saul back on a, on a good, um, in a good relation, a good standing. But uh, again, we go back to Christ. This is a perfect picture of what Christ does for us before the Father. We have no standing before the Father. We are sinners. Jesus Christ takes his blood and says, these that have accepted me as their Savior, they're covered. They're covered under the blood. And, and Christ uses his influence before the Father to not just give us this temporary life that Jonathan was able to do for David, but eternal life. And 
I think, I think this friendship is a good picture of the friendship that Christ has for sinners. Now, once we're saved, that friendship is a different, a little bit different dynamic. He's our father, but Christ loves sinners. He, he goes after sinners. Uh, I love that phrase, the, the hound of heaven, because that's what Christ is doing for us. He's going after sinners uh, to try to give them this friendship, this life that they don't even know they're missing. But then quickly, Jonathan's consistency. He was a friend in the good circumstances. And we mentioned this before, so we'll, we'll kind of jump right over it. But in the, And in Proverbs, it says, a friend loveth at all times. Uh, not just the good times, not just the bad times, at all times. And we know this, but a friend is needed even more so in the bad times. We can kind of skate through on our own in the good times, not really needing anybody to be there with us. But in the bad times, that's when we need uh, a friend to come help us. Um, he was a friend in the good times, and that, that would have been while he, they were still both in the palace. Jonathan didn't get jealous. He didn't hate David for being anointed. Um, but he was also a friend in the bad times, in the bad circumstances. Um, when, when David is fleeing for his life and running from Saul, David or Jonathan is a friend, and we've already uh, touched on that. I wrote this down, that... that uh, in the bad times is when we need friendship the most, but unfortunately, it's often when we find our friends have left us. Uh, isn't that so true? Uh, and I think that's why so much suicide in that is is around us today. People think they have friends. They've got friends on Facebook. They have X amount of followers on Facebook or Instagram. They think that they have friends until they don't have anything to give. And there's nobody. We see that with the uh, prodigal son. Had money to give, had friends everywhere until he didn't have the money and the friends are gone. So in his worst, the worst part of his life, he has nobody. And he's got to come back to his real friend, his father, and beg for forgiveness. Um, Jackie Robinson, this is an interesting story, but Jackie Robinson was obviously one of the first uh, African-American baseball player uh, in the in the major leagues. And he made history for breaking the color barrier. There, And people hated uh, the blacks at this time. There was a lot of racism. This is when the civil rights movement and all that was going on. In the early years of his career, every single game, they say, at, um, <clears throat> at, at uh, Dodger Stadium in Brooklyn, every single game, the crowds would, would boo and jeer every time he came up to bat or every time he made a play. And... Uh, there's a story one time that, uh, and they would call names, you know, call him names from the crowd and everything else, trying to trying to hurt him. They weren't just making fun; they're trying to hurt him. A man named Pee Wee Reese, uh, one day there, when this started happening, walked over and put his arm around Jackie Robinson, and the crowd stopped jeering. It kind of shocked; didn't know exactly what to think. And he was a friend when, when Jackie Robinson needed it most. But this is what Jackie Robinson said later about that moment. He said, that arm around my shoulder saved my career. I mean, could you imagine, you know, you're going out to do your job. That's, they, didn't, they weren't making tons of money back then like they do now. This was his job. This was what he was good at. And every time you go out to your, do your job, you have thousands of people booing you and jeering you. And then you have that one friend come along and put his, put his arm on your shoulder. Um, it's important. It's important in the bad times especially, but it's important to have those friends. And then we'll close 
with this last point, Jonathan's support. In 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 15, we'll read a couple of verses here. Verse 15, and David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life. Remember, David, Saul in, in chapter 19 said, okay, he's safe. I'm not going to go after him anymore. A couple chapters later, here he is again. David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a wood. And this is where Jonathan goes out into the woods. And, and verse 16 at the end, he went to David into the wood and strengthened his hand in God. I think that's so important that uh, we, we see in other places where people encourage themselves in the Lord, in the Bible. Uh, it's so important that, that Jonathan just didn't bring him food. He just didn't bring him water from the well of Bethlehem. Remember, we saw the mighty men do that. He didn't do that. He came out there and strengthened his hand in God and said, Fear not, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find thee. And thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee meaning I'll be with you the whole time, and that also Saul, my father, knoweth. It's interesting that, that Saul knows this friendship that they have, and he knows he's not just fighting David, he's fighting Saul. And it makes me wonder if Saul actually did know that Jonathan was helping David escape from him. How can you have this many men chasing Saul through the woods, I mean David through the woods, and never find him? Um, verse, the end of verse 17, Saul, my father, knoweth. And they too made another covenant. This is another time. They made a covenant before the Lord, and David abode in the wood, and Jonathan went to his house. But he encouraged him. He strengthened his hand in God. I don't think there's any more important uh, aspect of a friendship than, than that. Um, is a friendship really a friendship if you're not praying together at times, if you're not um, talking about the things of God at times? Friendships have a lot of other facets. I mean, you can do hobbies together. You can go golfing together. You can go, you know, we're going to go rafting here in a few weeks. You can go rafting together. You can do things together. You can spend time together. But if that, if that, if the basis for that friendship is not God, then it's not a true friendship. And the Bible talks about that uh, all over in the New Testament and in the Proverbs and, and all the rest. But Saul and David, I mean, Jonathan and David, True friendship. Um, <clears throat> it's a picture of Christ's friendship with us or for us or to us. Um, Christ had nothing to gain from, from coming to earth to die for us. Nothing to gain except the, the redemption of his creation, of mankind that he loved so much. And so let, let's let that these two, Saul, I mean Jonathan and David and Jesus Christ to the sinner, let that be an example to us. But remember, the most important part of a friendship is, is not just the time spent together, not just the stuff that is given back and forth, because there will inevitably be that. But it's making sure that friendship is built on the only, the truest foundation, and that's on uh, Jesus Christ. Strengthen each other in God. How much more do we, more so now than ever, do we need that? I mean, we're, we're going through a tough time uh, spiritually in our country. Uh, with churches being shut down and, and the rest of that. I heard something interesting uh, yesterday uh, on the radio. Um, <clears throat> I won't even tell you who was involved or who, who he was talking about, but this, this uh, host on the radio was talking about a situation uh, 
with, with a church that's going on right now. And, and as he closed his radio station, he said, hey, get me his number. I need, he said, I haven't talked to him in two or three years, but I need to call him and encourage him. That's a true friend. I mean, that, that's exactly what friendship is. When, when you're going through or somebody else is going through their toughest time, we call or we meet up with them and we encourage them in the Lord. That's what Jonathan did with, with David all through his life. And then David honored that covenant with, with Jonathan's family, but they loved each other. And the Bible says when, it, when David gives that um, little excerpt about Jonathan and Saul when they die, he actually compliments and praises Saul. He says he, was, he had the, the heart of a lion, basically, and the courage uh, of a lion. But it talks about when Jonathan died that David wept. Almost, he couldn't be consoled. He, his best friend, his, his encourager, his, uh, his best friend ever dies. And, and David loses a part of himself. Remember the Bible says their souls were knit together. Um, he loses a part of himself in that friendship. How many friends, friends do you have like that? Or how many people are you being a friend to like that? That when they're hurting, you're hurting. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. How many people are we doing that for? And if, if you can't think of somebody that you're doing that for, uh, we need to have those, those relationships, those friendships in our lives uh, because that's, that's part of the reason. We're not just on this earth to tell others about Christ. We are. That's important. But we're also here to encourage others in the Lord, to give of ourselves in more ways than just uh, financially, in more ways than just things. So let's use those lessons to uh, apply them to our, to our lives and see if we can't become better friends uh, and, and, and grow our friendships that we do have. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you for the, this life of Jonathan and David. God, just a pure love, a pure friendship that they have. Two men of God that uh, are trying, we're trying to live for you, trying to help each other, but God, that verse where, where Jonathan comes and strengthens David in God, that's so important. And I pray that we would be doing that to, with our friendships, with our relationships. And God, I pray that you would draw us close to Christians. We need that uh, relationship. We need that friendship more than ever now as we face this world. And I pray that you would, uh, God, just help us to remember what you've done for us, the friendship that you had for the sinner and I pray that we would emulate that in our lives. Pray that you bless this next hour. Pray that you give uh, our pastor the words to say. Pray that you give him your, your power. And I pray that you would work in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're dismissed.